What's going on, y'all, and welcome back to the No Limit Lab. I'm your host, Eloy, and today we're going to be talking about going over and reviewing Dark Side of the Ring Season 4. Dark Side of the Ring is a program that is available on Vice TV. It's where I watch it at. I watched it on Hulu. It basically covers the dark side of wrestling, the dark stories, the dark tragedies and things that have happened in the world of professional wrestling throughout all the years. It covers different wrestlers, different events, uh, certain just things that happen that, you know, most people may not want to touch upon. Uh, it is a show that gets a lot of people that are from certain events that have happened during this, you know, periods of time in wrestling. We also have speaking heads such as people who were involved in incidents. Uh, if it is a wrestler, if it is an event, um, a lot of the stories tend to get very dark. Uh, some of them are kind of uncomfortable to listen to. Some of them are kind of uncomfortable to watch. They do a lot of reenacting, I guess you can say. They also have, I believe, Dark Side of Football as well. So it's very similar in that sense. And I think Dark Side of maybe uh, like actors and stuff like that, but... A lot of it you'll see like reenactments while they're telling a story on there. Like a speaking, a talking head will be on there talking about something that happened back in 1965 in wrestling, and you'll see like uh, you know a re like a reenactment of like similar people who look like them, but they're kind of like blurred. It's like to kind of like ye let your imagination picture what's happening as they're telling the story. Um, become my favorite episodes are probably the Brian Pillman uh, part one and part two. Um, the Chris Benoit one, and when I say they're my favorites, I don't mean like, oh yeah, I love the story, I love, no, they're extremely well done in recounting these stories on here, so the Chris Benoit, and I think my favorite one is probably the Brian Pillman one, because the Brian Pillman story was, is very sad, it's very sad, but it's also very uplifting in the sense of Brian Pillman Jr., um, one of my favorite working wrestlers today, who I know the kid's going to be a big fucking star. I don't know why I call him a kid. He's fucking older than me, but he's going to be a big star one day. He's just signed with WWE. He's going to be in NXT, so I can't wait to see, you know, what happens with him. Uh, the Chris Benoit one is a favorite of mine in the sense of, you know, it, it touches on the people who were affected by the tragedy that aren't dead. Uh, Chris Benoit for those of you who don't know, Chris Benoit was one of my favorite, is still one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, you know, aside from the tragedy and what he did. Um, it's, it, you know, I don't want to get into it too much, but he ended up murdering his wife and his son in 2007 in their Atlanta home. And it was, it has been, and it was a dark spot on the name of professional wrestling still to this day. But the episode is very sad. It's it's very dark, and it 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 brings light on the tragedy to people who speak on it. That stuff that we didn't know, and just stuff that just didn't make sense. And it really brings into the fact that CTE is a big thing in wrestling now. And a lot of you guys may hear me when I speak about wrestling, how I complain and I bitch about wrestlers doing shit that's unnecessary. This is a big example. I'm not saying wrestlers are going to go kill their families and do all this other stuff, but a lot of wrestlers just take unnecessary bumps that this guy, Chris Benoit, was one of the greatest of all time, in my opinion, in ring, and these guys are just doing pointless stuff where they're getting concussions and they don't even know it, and at the time, it was frowned upon to report a concussion when you got it back in the day, so Chris Benoit had the brain of an 80-year-old Alzheimer's patient when they did the autopsy on his brain, and, you know, the whole tragedy of everything that happened is just is terrible, and, you know, the unspeakable crimes... But that's another very good episode uh, that you guys may want to watch if, you know, you're very, if you have a hard time um, dealing with, like, you know, tragedies like that, then I would probably stay away from it. But if you can, you know, gut through it, it you know, you probably would enjoy, you know, the, you know, what they have to say about the tragedy. It's not a very, it's not good in the sense of like, oh my God, this is awesome. Not at all. Not at all. But um, it really brings the light on one of the reasons why a lot of people frown on professional wrestling in the sense because some people think of this moment and it also brings light on the fact that you know wrestlers should pay attention to their health they should know when to not do things and that you know cte is a real thing and it's it's nothing to it's nothing to joke not nothing to joke about it's nothing to you know take lightly so um those are some of my uh favorite episodes i guess you could say um I am a, I, I'm also a big fan of what was it, I think it was episode this season, I think it was the, um, 
who was it? I was. I think it was the uh, Bam Bam Bigelow one. Bam Bam Bigelow. That was a great one from this season. Um, other episodes that I'm a big fan of. I'm gonna just kind of give you guys my take on what episodes that I really enjoyed. Um, the Montreal Screwjob one. I enjoy that one. Jim Cornette is hilarious on that one. Um, the first episode, Match Made in Heaven, with um, uh, Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. That was a great one. The Von Erichs one is a very sad one. I enjoyed that one. Um, Final Days of Owen Hart, that is a sad one. That is a really sad one. I, ugh, man, that's a gut-wrenching one right there. That was the season two finale back in 2020. Um, David Schultz and the Slap Heart Around the World, I love that fucking episode. I, I might watch that one later on tonight. I really enjoy that episode. The Brawl for All, another good one. Um, these Life and Crimes of New Jack, oh my god, the New Jack one is fucking hilarious. You gotta watch that one. Um, Let's see. There's a lot of there's a couple other good ones. The Chris Canyon one is a very sad one, man. Um, that one is very because the Chris Canyon was a great wrestler. He was a great wrestler, but he always got lost in the shuffle no matter where he was. And Chris Canyon was gay. The episode is called "The Double Life of Chris Canyon," and Chris Canyon was a gay man. And I think that he deep down hated himself for it and thought that he was going to lose popularity with people and lose fans if he came out as gay, even though everybody loved him. He was an innovator, an innovator of offense. Now, some might give that name to other people, but it's it's a really good phrase to describe Chris Canyon. Uh, I obviously didn't watch Chris Canyon when I was growing up. I wasn't born at the time. My uncle probably knows more about Chris Canyon. He was in WCW. I believe he played, I forget who who it was he played in WCW that everyone really liked. Um, that's a great episode. The Dynamite Kid one, that's another sad, dark episode. Um, Becoming Warrior, that's another one too. Um, there's a lot of, ooh, there's a lot of great ones here. Um, but it's a, it's a really enjoyable show. Now there's some stuff that you may be watching it when you watch the show, you might, okay, this might be a little exaggerated. If you're a wrestling fan, if you pay attention to wrestling history, like in the last couple of years, I've gotten just enthralled with a lot of wrestling history, listening to a lot of Jim Cornette when he tells stories from the territory days and stuff like that. And they recount history from the territory days. It's opened my eyes a lot to, you know, just the variety of like good wrestling. Like a lot of old wrestling was just a lot better. You know, it may not have had fucking five Canadian destroyers in one match, which I don't like, but it was really uh, different, really, really different. And it's, it's just night and day compared to now. So, but that's basically what Dark Side of the Ring is about. It's about certain tragedies, certain people in wrestling, and it just talks about stuff that you wouldn't necessarily hear or be spoken upon, like on the WWE platform, like on Peacock. They're not going to talk about a lot of stuff like this. So I really enjoy the show, and I'm, I hope that it keeps going. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about season four. So season four, the first episode that we started with was Chris and Tammy. So this explores the teenage romance of wrestling prodigy Chris Candido and Tammy Sunny Sitch. Uh, for those of you who remember Sunny, she was a big part of WWF in the 90s. Um, uh, explores the teenage romance of wrestling prodigy Chris Candido and Tammy Sonny Cinch, his love-to-hate manager as they get torn apart by infidelity, addiction, and mutual self-destruction. This episode is very... It's, it's, it's a very sweet at first, but then it just becomes really sad because Chris Candido basically you know, was never a guy that was going to be a big-time main eventer in the world of wrestling because of his size, but he was respected by his peers. And Chris and Tammy, who is Sonny, fell in love at an early age. And they described their how they fell in love um, in this episode. And it really just, it just really gets sad towards the end because Tammy Cinch, Sonny, clearly took advantage of Chris Candido. She took advantage of his... He, he loved her. The man loved her, and she took advantage of that, cheated on him, and fucked him over, you know, a lot in a lot of ways, and she just was unfaithful, and it just really sours your, I guess, opinion on Tammy Sonny Cinch just because of the whole thing. Like, you feel bad for Chris because he's, like, being put through this by this fucking woman, and may that not take away from Sonny's talent um as a wrestling valet slash manager she was great like you go back and watch her stuff she's fucking great she's fucking beautiful she's great in what she does her psychology everything is good that's tammy sitch does but as the years go on the downward spiral some would say karma that got uh sunny 
um, just seemed to get worse, whether it was, what was it, um, the drugs, the alcohol, the addiction problems, the fucking stabbing her fucking boyfriend, um, and then she eventually ended up killing somebody in this last year uh, in a motor vehicle accident. She killed like a 70-something-year-old man, and she's going to be in prison for the rest of her life now. And Chris Candido died back in, uh, I want to say 2000, maybe 6, 7, or 8, one of those years he died. I believe it was 2000 and maybe 6. He died. He got, a, I believe it was a leg injury, and he ended up flying. He got a blood clot, and he passed. he died. He passed away. And it was just very sad. So Chris Candido had a very sad ending. Chris Candido was a wrestler through in and throughout. You know, may not have been, been been the biggest guy, may not have been Hulk Hogan, may not have been The Rock, but he was a wrestler. He was a a, a pro wrestler. And the sad story of just like just everything, like Chris was having a comeback and just to get cut at the fucking knees, n- no pun intended, and to you know to lose his life the way he did, it was just terrible. And then it's just a tragedy of just both of them. Um, and Sonny's going to be in prison for the rest of her life now. So it's a very sad episode. I suggest you guys, uh, watch it. it it's, it's, mm, you know, it, it, a love story that turns into a, a love story that turns into a tragedy, I guess you can say. I well, maybe not even a tragedy, a love story that turns into a, it started off as a red rose and it slowly just pedal by pedal if there are it just slowly pedal by pedal just dissipated and died because of sunny because of tammy i'm I'm, you know maybe i don't see i don't remember any at all them talking in the episode about chris being you know um cheating on her chris loved her and she took advantage of that where there was fucking Shawn michaels and supposedly fucking bret hart like i don't i don't i don't really believe the bret hart one but sunny was uh she was a, a ring rat like seriously like it was just a it's just sad what happened to chris and sad what happened it's they're sad for different reasons sad what happened to chris because what happened to him was just unfortunate and shit just was terrible dying the dying how he did and then tammy you know due to her own avail it's sad because of what you saw what she was and then the downward spiral so um, check that episode out. That's the first episode that we did get for Dark Side of the Ring season four. The next episode is a little bit more of an uplifting one in a sense. Uh, in the end, uh, is sh- number two, Shattered, the Magnum TA story. It explores the life of wrestling heartthrob Terry Magnum TA Allen and how he is destined for worldwide stardom until one rainy night alters his career and the future of wrestling forever. So, this episode talks about Magnum TA. I didn't know anything really about Magnum TA. I've heard the name, but I didn't know really much about him. I believe the man um, was a... He was a big-time wrestler back in the old days. And um, he was a good-looking guy. He used to ride motorcycles. He was a fucking badass. Like, this was a guy. This is this is what you thought about when you say a wrestler. This guy's a fucking badass. And I believe he was supposed to win... It was at the NWA United States Championship... I believe it was, and his life, not life, but his wrestling career got cut short, I believe he was involved in an accident, and he lost the ability to walk properly, and it was, it's just, you know, he's still alive to this day, and you see what he, you know, how in good spirits he is now, he is the, I believe, stepfather of Tessa Blanchard, and uh, I love Tessa Blanchard. I think she's a great wrestler. She's been riddled with controversy in the last couple years. No promotion wants to work with her because of her attitude problems. And um, backstage, and a backstage incident that supposedly happened in Japan with her and another uh, another wrestler who I believe that they have made up since then. But I just don't think a lot of wrestlers want to work with Tessa Blanchard females because of, I guess, her attitude problems. I think she has that, you know, the more of the my shit don't stink kind of attitude. Which, in a sense, I guess she could have because she's one of the best professional wrestlers, female, I've ever seen. Um, but that's his stepdaughter. Um, Magnum TA ended up marrying, I believe, Tolly Blanchard's ex-wife. So, um, you know, he has a happy life with her now. And, you know, it's just a very, it's a very um, episode that, that you know, talks about just the, the rise in his career. The rise in his career. And this guy was just, like, destined for superstardom. And then it gets cut short by tragedy. And 
then, you know, he goes through all the physical therapy, everything, and he's just not able to come back, and it just ruined his career. But now he has a better outlook on life. He's alive. He's happy. And it's a very uplifting towards the end kind of episode versus the first episode of the season. Um, so that's another good episode as well. Um, the next episode is titled Breaking the Cycle, the Graham Dynasty. This is about superstar Billy Graham. Superstar Billy Graham is a, I didn't know a lot about him. I heard of him. I'd seen him, you know, on like old wrestling stuff and everything. But this is like, this was like the first one of like the biggest, like big superstars. One of the big superstars. A lot of people modeled their career after this guy. Guys like Jesse Ventura, guys like Hulk Hogan, guys like Scott Steiner. Like they took inspiration from superstar Billy Graham. Um, this episode is, uh, Florida became wrestling Mecca for decades under patriarch Eddie Graham and his son, Mike, but a series of shocking and unrelenting tragedies threatened to eclipse their legacy. So it basically talks about all the things that happened with superstar Billy Graham and the Graham uh, family. And it's just really, it's a, like I said, a lot of these episodes are just really sad. Like you watch everything go so good and then things just start to drop off and it's it, it it's sad when you see it happen to certain wrestlers billy graham was never the same i believe after he lost his belt and um all the stuff that he went through i believe he passed away was it late last year or early this year i think it happened but you know i go my my uncle was watching a superstar billy graham documentary the last time he was here and you just see like god damn dude like this guy was one of the first like you look at him, you're like, this guy is a fucking superstar. Just look at the way he's built. Look at the way he works. Like, I don't know anybody who could rock a skullet like that besides maybe Hulk Hogan. But, like, dude, like, Hulk Hogan took his fucking looks from superstar Billy Graham. Hulk Hogan, NWO Hulk Hogan, and you look at Hulk Hogan the way he looks. He took his fucking looks from superstar Billy Graham. Um, this guy inspired a lot of wrestlers. A lot of the golden age wrestlers, I guess you could say. A lot of your parents' favorites. They just didn't know it. So, uh, another episode that I enjoyed. I enjoy. I always enjoy. I just enjoy these these things. These things are very... Some the time they may get really dark. And I kind of don't really want to watch them sometimes. There's some episodes that i just chosen not to watch. That I'm just like, uh, I'm not going to really... I don't really want to watch that. I don't, I, like, I'm not a big fan of like... Like, I'm surprised I was able to get through the Chris Benoit one. Like, I'm not a big fan. Maybe it's just because I've heard about the story for so many years. So when I watched it, it wasn't as like, you know, um, ooh, I can't, I, I gotta stay, I can't watch that. Like, I'm not a big fan of like these Jeffrey Dahmer, like all these like murder docs. I don't like watching those. Like those things just make me uncomfortable. I don't like watching murder documentaries. I don't know how, I don't understand why women love murder documentaries. I feel like most women just love serial killers. Like, if they could be with the serial killer, they'd be with the fucking serial killer. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I can't watch these, these, a lot of these biopics on murderers. Like, it just doesn't really, you know, I don't know. Or, like, guys who, like, kill their whole family or, I, I don't know, I can't, I can't watch that stuff. It just doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. Um, but I think just because a lot of this involves wrestling, I, I kind of, I guess I can get into it a little bit. Um, the next episode is titled Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne. The man behind Doink the Clown lived a life of unhinged violence and substance abuse until his shocking death left his family questioning if it was really an accident. So this is another episode where um, Matt Bourne played Doink the Clown. Matt Bourne had a lot of potential in a lot of people's eyes. We discuss a lot of his old... Um, a lot of his old matches, a lot of his old work and other promotions where he was working, I believe, with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh... And Matt Bourne had a lot of potential. He was a good worker. And, you know, just the tragedy of substance abuse and, you know, alcohol, but mainly substance abuse and just the downward spiral that that leads to in sports and entertainment. And, you know, this guy was playing Doink the Clown. Like, Doink the Clown to a lot of people was like, this guy is fucking scary. He was modeled after Krusty the Clown, but he was like, this guy is a fucking clown. He's a clown in a wrestling company in uh, WWF at the time. And it's looked at as like, this is kind of goofy, but it all played into the character that he was portraying. And a lot of people, when they were kids, I was scared of Doink the Clown. I didn't like Doink the Clown. I didn't like Doink the Clown when I was a kid. 
I used to see Doink the Clown like on like wrestling stuff when I was younger, like ten years old. I and I hated clowns as a kid. I fucking hate clowns. I hate clowns to this day. I hated clowns. And when I saw Doink the Clown, um, it was I never like watched a bunch of stuff because I didn't grow up in that time. But when I saw like ooh, on like the WWF like old like highlights and everything, oh god, this scared the shit. Like I don't want to watch. I don't like clowns. Like funny story about clowns. Okay, I was like maybe five six years old and there's this one clown his name was ravioli ravioli the clown it was somewhere in sacramento somewhere where they had this thomas the train um like little like expo thing where there's like a bunch of thomas big giant thomas the train tank engines everywhere and um this clown came up to me with the thomas the train squeaky toy and he scared the fucking shit out of me and his name was ravioli and i fucking hate hated ravi i fucking hate ravioli i hate that guy i hate whoever the fuck that was i don't give a fuck who's just trying to mess around with me that shit scared the fuck of me i cried like a little fucking baby bitch and i've hated clowns ever since so fuck ravioli and fuck that little thomas the train squeaky toy i used to love thomas the train that was my shit but fuck clowns and fuck doing the clown <laughs> no um matt Bourne was a great worker but substance abuse killed his career and what happens with him at the end, I believe he married a couple of times and he had a couple of kids who adore him and they look at him as, you know, a child should look up to their parent. And he passed away due to, I believe it was some sort of drug overdose with his medication. And supposedly his wife at the time had given him either too much of his medication or given him the wrong dosage and he passed away. Now, a lot of people don't know if it is a was she tried to kill him or it was just blatant stupidity now when you watch the episode you kind of think this lady's pretty fucking stupid but what motive was there behind her you know having him die life insurance maybe i don't know not having to take care of him anymore i don't know but the fact that she he she gave him his medication and he died and then she went to sleep and didn't report it to the police like it kind of Raises a lot of questions. Uh, she hasn't been convicted of anything. She hasn't been tried or anything like that, as far as I'm concerned. So it's a mystery to this day. The daughter thinks that she did try to kill, that she killed him, um, and that's what she believes. So another a sad ending for a man. Sad ending for Matt Bourne, Doink the Clown. Um, yeah, another sad, another just sad episode. Like I said, the theme is just sad, just dark. It's called Dark Side of the Ring. There's nothing really much to say else to say about it, but it's just a really you know, it can get just really sad, and especially when you find out these people have kids, man, like, you're just like, ah, oh, man, like, they didn't get, they lost their father, you know, it brings into, like, my, my thing with my father, like, me and my dad, I don't get, I don't talk to my dad, I don't speak with him, we can't get along, I, you know, I, I, just, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to reconcile with my dad, like, I don't think that we're ever going to be able to be on the same page ever, and that's unfortunate, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but a lot of these things are very, hit very close to home, you know, when people have, hard relationships with their fathers, I guess you can say, or have relationship with their fathers, because I kind of don't really have that anymore, so, um, I don't know, it's just, it, it, it hits close to home sometimes, episode five, the Junkyard Dog, one of the first black megastars in wrestling, the Junkyard Dog's journey to the top of the business was marked by addiction and unrealized potential, Junkyard Dog was a, I guess how you say, like I said, the biggest, one of the, the first big black megastar, you had guys like Tony Atlas, you had guys like, um, what the hell was his name, Tony Atlas, he had Junkyard Dog, like Coco Beware, I guess you could say, but he wasn't a big megastar, you got Booker T, you have all these kind of just black people that, you know, were stars in wrestling, um, uh, Ernie Ladd, Ernie Ladd, I believe, who was the big, uh, big cat Ernie Ladd is what they called him, and I believe he was the one who helped scout Junkyard Dog, if I'm not wrong, and um, like the unrealized potential line in the description is rings really true to this episode. Addiction again. Addiction is just a common thing amongst the, amongst these wrestlers. Drugs is just like back in like the seventies, eighties, nineties. These motherfuckers were on one, bro. Like you people think it's bad now. Like like think of your favorite rapper that is just like always fucking on one, bro, like, these guys were that times 10, and they were wrestling fucking females all the goddamn time, and 
it, it sounds crazy. It's like a rock star lifestyle. That's how it was for a lot of these wrestlers. And the way he was treated, the way he was, you know, Bill Watts treated this guy like his fucking like a son, like basically gave him the world. And then when he ended up going to WWF, now there is a thing that apparently happened in in the story between Bill Watts and Junkyard Dog, which ultimately made Junkyard Dog leave um, uh, Bill Watts's um, promotion for or territory for the WWF. Now, apparently, um, Bill Watts had made some comments involving the hard R towards um, towards Junkyard Dog when he didn't know Junkyard Dog was in the room. They were in a bathroom somewhere, and apparently. Junkyard Dog heard him say, call him the hard R, like the speak, not speaking about him, not knowing he was there. And um, Junkyard Dog kicked down the door to the stall that he was in and basically fucking said, fuck it, I'm leaving. Now, I don't know how true this actually is. Now, one might say, well, what, what is there to believe that's not true? I don't know. It just really, <sighs> you're in the bathroom talking about this guy. You call him the hard R, and he kicks down the fucking stall of thing and just, like, dips and leaves. Teddy Long apparently says it's true. I'm not saying Teddy Long's lying. I don't know if Junkyard Dog was telling the truth. The reason why, substance abuse, all sorts of kind of shit that was going on during this time. So who knows if this is even true? Now, one might say, well, yeah, well, Bill Watts, you know, look where they were at the time. Of course, like, that, that word was just thrown out commonly, and I guarantee it fucking was. But I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't. When they describe the relationship that Bill Watts had with Junkyard Dog, you would think that this is like the last, that's the last thing that he would call this guy. This guy made him a lot of money. He made him a lot of money. Like, they looked at each other in a sense of like a father and son, like, in that, in like a, in a certain sense. Like, Bill Watts really cared about Junkyard Dog, so I don't understand why all of a sudden he just calls him the hard R, you know, like, basically saying like, I make him do whatever the fuck I want, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's true. So, Junkyard Dog ends up going to WWF at the time and has a very, I guess, lackluster career there. He didn't become this big time superstar because of he started to gain a lot of weight. He couldn't really work in the ring as well. Like he wasn't the best worker, but because he was the one of the first black superstars and the people just loved him and his personality, you know, he was a an imposing personality, but he was just like a very, just like, my God, look at this guy. And you're able to hide a lot of his, um, you were able to hide a lot of his shortcomings with the sizzle. You know, I guess if that makes any sense, like he may not have been the best guy that could take a back body drop. I'm not saying he was, I'm just using it as an example, but you use his charisma to cover that up. And do what you got to do. You don't need this guy to have 60-minute matches like Ric Flair where he gets exposed because it's like, oh, fuck, he can't work a 60-minute match. No, you don't got to have him do what other guys are doing. You cover that up, but you use other things to cover cover for it, I guess you could say. And then he gets to WWF. He's not in the best shape. He starts getting in worse shape. And the drugs, addiction, uh, cause him to be estranged from his family, blowing his money. It just another downward spiral, and he had potential, but he ends up, you know, ends up passing away, and it's just uh, due to his addictions, and it's sad. I believe he got into a car accident, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he died in a car accident on his way home from his family's place after visiting, I believe it was, and just the addictions and everything just caused his life to go into a just a big, I guess, downward spiral in a certain sense. But um, it's it's just it's just a common common thing with a lot of these wrestlers during this time period. So another sad story, the end of the junkyard dog. Episode six: the tragic fall of Adrian Adonis. Okay, so Adrian Adonis is another wrestler I didn't know too much about, but another wrestler that was a hothead had a reputation. Uh, a real-life street fighter turned flamboyant wrestling heel. Adrian Adonis' life was cut short in a horrific accident that has been shrouded in mystery for the past 30 years. So this one, ugh, like, I just, I've heard people tell stories about this one. Um, I believe the survivor of the story. There's, like, one survivor. Um, I'll look up exactly who was in the in what happened in this story. Um, but Adrian Adonis was basically another guy that had a lot of potential and similar to the junkyard dog, not not being a black guy, but just similar to the junkyard dog with a lot of potential and 
you know, the weight gain, the substance abuse, the problems, and just, like, things happening, getting in fights, fucking the street fighter mentality, just like the way, you know, I don't know, it's, it, it's just a, I don't know, it's just another thing where it's just, like, you fucking wish, like, as fans, you're like, man, we wish we could have been there and just prevented all this stuff from happening, I hate when wrestlers die, I hate when wrestlers die due to the tragedy, you wish you could be there to prevent certain things like that, I wasn't alive during this time at all, I wasn't even fucking thought of, but, um, mm. so, basically, everything that led to the end of Adrian Adonis's career, and let me just say, Adrian Adonis played a gay, like, his his character, after a while, he played a gay man, a really just, like, flamboyant, stereotype gay man that would not fly in today, they don't even have, I don't think, any, what was it, I don't think they have any of the, any figures of Adrian Adonis, because it, it it's so frowned upon now, like, a lot of the stuff that was said in his old interviews and old stuff, like, when he was playing his character, it, it wouldn't fly today, and I guarantee a lot of the companies that maybe own rights to some of the footage are just not going to show it because they're just burying it because it's just it's just would not fly today. Um, but Adrian Adonis ended up passing away with I believe it was how many four other wrestlers Adonis and two other wrestlers died I believe it was there was four of them. Um, the Bear Man who was in there, and then the Kelly Twins and Adrian Adonis they ended up in a stream. Uh, crashing off of a bridge into a stream and they died painful deaths and one of them survived one of the twins survived and the bear man died the other twin died adrian adonis died and i remember was it one of the kelly twins was saying just when he sees his brother fucking just dead there and the bear man is fucking dead like they're just fucking they're dead they're fucking mangled up and just blood and just fucking imagine being in shock after something like that happened and Adrian Adonis, I believe, was like saying, like, you're still alive, basically alive, but he was dying and saying, like, I'm in pain, it hurts, it hurts, help me, help me, help me, and he fucking just, he fucking dies, he was 34 years old when he died, like, in 88, that's fucking, tra- and the thing about the car accident, nobody really knows what happened, because, I, okay, I'm not exactly sure who was driving, I think the bear man was driving, and the Kelly, or one of the Kelly, it was one of them, somebody was driving, and we don't know if there was alcohol in the car. We don't know if there was. Well, we don't know if there was alcohol in the person who was driving system to what happened. We don't know if someone ran him off the road and that person drove away because they fucking basically got people killed. We don't really know. It's a it's shrouded in mystery to this day. And um, if what's his name, the Kelly uh, one of the Kelly twins knows how they died, I don't think he really wants to say it. And it's probably a very painful memory. His brother's fucking dead. Like, and two people that he knew are dead. So, it's a just a tragic, one of the, probably one of the darker stories in this one, just because of what they, when they discuss what happened when he was dying, like, he's basically just begging for his life at that point. Oh my god, I'm fucking, I'm in pain, help me, help me, please. Just like, oof. Um, sad, sad episode. Next episode. Episode 7. Abdullah the Butcher, Legacy of blood now i'm gonna be honest i don't really i don't really care for this episode um mainly because like i'm not a fan of this like this kind of wrestling this to me i don't really give a fuck what people say it's not wrestling to me it's just fucking it's just pointless fucking bloody shit that i don't like in my wrestling matches um now, you can go back in, like, early 2000s, you got, like, JBL and Eddie Guerrero, and there's blood and stuff like that, but that's different. Like, Abdullah the Butcher is a legend, I guess you could say. He's still alive to this day, but he is damn near broke, and he is, like, in very uncomfortable living conditions because of all the pain he's put himself through and the shit he's put himself through for, throughout the years. Um... This guy, they talk about Abdullah the Butcher's early life, running, I believe that he was in, uh, he had a bunch of family members, and apparently he just didn't know, he didn't learn how to read or write, or didn't know how to read, uh, learn how to read, like, I don't know, it's a lot of really, this episode, okay, I'm gonna be honest, this episode is probably the worst one of this season, because it covers the fucking idiot, whatever his name is, Devin something, um, he's, I don't want to talk about this guy, he's fucking the guy Hannibal, 
uh, he ended up stabbing a fucking referee was last year, and he's just a fucking clown. I don't like that guy. Um, you know, like I said, I don't, I, I don't wish anything bad upon him. I don't really wish anything bad upon really anybody, but I don't wish anything bad upon the guy. I just don't like the guy. I think he's a perfect example of just, like, a shitty fucking wrestler. I don't give a fuck how big he is. Like, it's just, this episode is basically about their whole beef. Because apparently Abdullah the Butcher gave him hepatitis in a match back in like the early 2000s before this guy got was supposedly get, supposed to get signed to WWE, and I don't think he would have ever gotten signed. I just don't. I don't know. It's a whole. It's just a stupid episode. I really don't honestly want to talk about this one. It's just. It's just a dumb episode. Um, but I guess like a lot of financial ruin that happened to Abdullah the Butcher has to do with him not being able to. Uh, I think read or write or I know it's. I know he says he can't read. Um, but it doesn't make any sense because the guy owned businesses and he signed all these checks and he was, uh, paying people. And I think he was, it's, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, um, stuff in Puerto Rico and everything like, I don't know, working with Carlos Colon. Like, I don't know. This stuff didn't really, uh, he was more of an attraction, I guess you can say because of his size, because his ability, the way he was able to work, he brought a lot of karate and stuff like, Oh my God, this is cool. Now, if I saw a duel of the butcher, I'd probably get a picture with him, but it was just like, I don't know, he was a phenomenon, they loved him in Japan, they loved him in Japan, they loved him in Puerto Rico, like, the guy, I'm not gonna take that away from him, the guy was, like, a, a legend in that aspect, but I don't know, like, it is, this, to me, this episode, uh, I don't, it, I don't know, it's just, uh, it says here in the description, infamous for his in-ring bloodbaths, Abdullah the Butcher was a money-making phenomenon, however, after 50 years of pushing boundaries, one cut cost him everything, which is, they're talking about the fucking, Devin fucking Hannibal guy apparently getting cut and then getting hepatitis. I, I don't know. This whole shit, a dirty blade or something. I don't fucking know. I don't like this kind of wrestling. It's fucking stupid. The blood and shit. It's just dumb. It's pointless. I don't like it. I just don't like it. That's all I'm going to say about this episode. I just don't really give a fuck to really talk about this one too much. A better episode. Episode 8. Bam Bam Bigelow, the beast from the east. We talk about the origins of Bam Bam Bigelow in this episode. We talk about how he used to be a, uh, I guess, he was a convict, a bounty hunter, a flame-skulled wrestling legend, and addict. The lore of Bam Bam Bigelow has only grown since his death. The wrestling icon's family recalls the improbable stories of his eventful life for the first time. Bam Bam Bigelow, you look at this guy and you're like, holy fuck, this guy looks like a fucking badass, dude. Like, this is just a the flaming skull tattoo on his head and the tights that he wore, it was like the flames. It was so fucking cool. Beast from these, I believe he was from New Jersey. Uh, he was a bouncer and I believe diamond Dallas page met him at a club that he was working at. And, uh, he got into wrestling. It's a, it's a whole, it's, I don't know. I just like Bam Bam Bigelow for his size. Like it's just fucking cool, dude. A big fucking guy, tattooed guy with cool gear, cool fucking moves. Like had the potential to, you know, be bigger than he was, and just, you know, addiction, addiction just, you know, caused him to die, die, like a lot of these wrestlers, and it just cut his life short, but, um, this was another enjoyable episode, we see from his, well, from his family, and the sad stuff that happens with his family, this guy was cool, man, like, this guy was another big name in Japan, like, I would, like, him and Vader, these guys are, these guys are badass, like, two big, uh, big badass fucking wrestlers, Vader and Abdullah the Butcher, both, oh, not, not Abdullah the Butcher, Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow, may they both rest in peace, but fucking badasses, dude, just fucking, when you think of big men wrestling, big wrestling guys, these are the guys, Vader, Vader bombs, the fucking Bam Bam salt, like, oh, so fucking cool, so fucking cool, um, I remember seeing Bam Bam Bigelow in Major Pain. Uh, he gets beat up by Major Pain. That's a funny little cameo from him there. He was in the main event of WrestleMania. I think, was it the main event of WrestleMania? I think it was like WrestleMania, like, was it 12? It was one of those WrestleManias, but it was like one of the worst main events of all time, I guess, because of the, he was wrestling some football player. I forgot what his name was, and he lost to him, I think it was. But Bam Bam Bigelow had two stints, I believe, in WWF. First one, he ended up getting released, and then another one, I think it was due to his addiction problem, um, but he had another tragic end. I believe he died of an, was it an overdose? I'll, I'm going to double check on that right now, um, but it, it's just, it's just sad. Like I said, just the common, the common, just, 
I just, I don't know. It's just the common things. Yeah, it was a drug overdose. Drug overdose, uh, death, Bam Bam Bigelow's girlfriend found him dead in his home in Hudson, Florida at approximately 10 a.m. Eastern time in the morning of January 19th, 2007. He was 45 years old. Autopsy found that Bigelow's death was due to multiple drugs found in the system, including toxic levels of cocaine and benzodiazepines. I don't really know too much about that drug. Um, but yeah. This just these addictions, man. I believe one of the sad stories in this episode is the daughter talking about her. I believe he got pulled over, and the cops ended up taking him away from her. And she's like begging for her dad, and just like he's fucking like passing out at the wheel. And it's just sad, man. It's sad what happens to these wrestlers. Okay, next episode. Next episode is episode nine, Bash at the Beach 2000. And I'm not gonna lie. I was looking forward to this one. Here's the reason why. I was looking forward to this episode mainly due to the fact that Vince Russo was going to be on it. And I just wanted to hear what Jim Cornette had to say about this episode. Like, I was waiting for the Jim Cornette rant to talk about this episode. Um, Bash of the Beach 2000. Bash of the Beach was a WCW pay-per-view. And in 2000, WCW was just fucking dying this was the dying days of wcw but a lot of people say the incident that happened here was the final nail in the coffin that just killed wcw and there was no going back from here this episode or this episode discusses the worked uh, the shoot i don't know if it work shoot shoot work whatever you want to fucking call it. a shoot in wrestling is something that happens that is real a shoot a work is something that's not real but is played off to be real and sometimes you can't tell if it is or not um, the fucking stories that come from Vince Russo regarding this and then Eric Bischoff where nobody really wants to say they're the reason why this happened or in a, in a bad light to take credit for the good shit. But apparently Hulk Hogan had creative control in this contract in WCW thanks to Eric Bischoff and him and Eric Bischoff were close at the time. And apparently there was supposed to be some sort of program where I guess, um, Jeff Jarrett was told to lay down and drop the belt to Hulk Hogan to lay down, basically lay down for him, let him pin you. And Vince Russo was going to come out and trash Hulk Hogan and basically just like expose the business in a sense of just like, you know, obviously we all people knew it was bullshit at that. Like a lot of wrestling was fake at the time, predetermined, I guess you can say, but it, it was just kind of like a confusing what is this you're working the boys which is the wrestler working the boys in the back like is this real what's going on here are you actually shooting on one of the wrestlers right now are you and i don't know it's just a confusing mess and you just hear the bullshit from hulk hogan who is a known fucking bullshitter i'm not and i'm just gonna say it right now i'd still get a picture with hulk hogan still get a motherfucking autograph of him i think hulk i, I still love seeing hulk hogan's old shit i'm just gonna call a spade a spade hulk hogan is a fucking liar i'm gonna fucking be lying all the time i don't know if it's memory problems i really don't know but it's just funny it, to me it's funny at this point that hulk hogan just be fucking lying um Vince Russo, motherfucker, it's a motherfucker be lying, bro, like, Vince Russo is, <laughs> I don't know, it's, Vince Russo makes me fucking laugh, I don't think Vince Russo is a bad person at all, I think the shit that Jim Cornette hates Vin Russo, Vince Russo for is fucking hilarious, I think some of it can be valid, but, um, it's just funny, because Eric Bischoff don't like Vince Russo, Vince Russo don't like Eric Bischoff, but he's not gonna find out and say, fuck Eric Bischoff, um, it's just funny, like, just the fucking, there's the contrasting arguments in this thing. I was I was actually on my way back from Santa Cruz listening to the review on Jim Cornette's podcast about this episode. Um, I had seen this like maybe a couple of nights before when I went to Santa Cruz with my friends, maybe a month, month and a half ago. It was it's just me. It's just it's this is a uh, I enjoyed the episode um, just because I'm, I'm laughing the entire time. And, and it just gets even more confusing in the end when Vince Russo like it was all a work, bro. It was me. It was blah, blah, blah. Like, you're just like, what the fuck? This is so confusing. And then it's rest. <laughs> it's wrestling, bro. It's wrestling. The way he says wrestling, it it doesn't matter. It's all wrestling. It's all fake. It's all blah, blah, blah. It's just like, Jesus Christ, motherfucker. For a guy who made a living off of wrestling, you're sure as hell have no problem fucking shitting on it in the way you do. I, I don't know. It was funny. It's just a funny episode to me. Um, to me, this was kind of like a, <laughs> this episode was kind of just like a, you know, reaching at the bottom of the barrel for this episode as much as I enjoyed it. 
anyway, um, uh, oh yeah, so yeah, let me just read the description for it too. <laughs> At the end of the '90s, WCW's greatest battles played out backstage between scheming executives and writers until one off-script rant against Hulk Hogan changed everything. Because Hulk Hogan sued, I think it was Turner Broadcaster. He sued fucking WCW and he won. Or it was it was no he do sue WCW and something happened. I think they were like, "Yo, it's it's wrestling. You can't really sue Hulk Hogan's not a real person. Terry Bollea. It's, it's a whole fucking other shit. You got you got to watch it. It's it's funny. Like if you know about wrestling, this episode is hilarious. Um, he called Hulk Hogan, you bald bastard. He said some shit about him. It's just like this guy's acting all tough. He wouldn't have said that shit if Hulk Hogan was there. I I don't know. It's just it's just funny. Anyway. The final episode. The final episode of The Dark Side of the Ring, Season 4. Episode 10. The World According to Marty Jannetty. Although Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, known as the Rockers, are beloved for their raw athleticism and sex appeal, Marty's later career is married or marred by drug use and erratic behavior. Um, I'm not going to talk about too much of the erratic behavior, but you go watch it yourself. Um, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels are part of a group called the Rockers. They had one stint in the WWF and apparently got released because of an incident that happened. I think it was at a bar or it was somewhere. They got, they got kicked out basically. They got kicked out of a bar, caused a fucking issue, and they were bottom of the barrel in WWF at the time on the totem pole and they got fired and ended up getting, ended up coming back. Marty Jannetty apparently, um, there was a whole thing in this episode where Marty Giannetti, I believe, injured a guy off the rocker dropper, which was a move that he did, and apparently the guy broke the guy's neck, and it was a trial, a, a court, they went to court for it, it was getting sued, and apparently this is the time where Shawn Michaels basically found an opportunity to break away from Marty Giannetti, Marty Giannetti was kind of like the loose cannon of this group, in a sense, when it came to erratic behavior and drug problems, which is really funny considering Shawn Michaels is no Satan himself when it came to this kind of stuff, the drug problems. Um, but I guess Marty Jannetty was just more hardcore than this guy in this sense. And it's crazy. Marty Jannetty still has all his hair to this day. Shawn Michaels really doesn't have any hair. Um, I don't know. It's just, I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, Marty Jannetty is very charming. He's very funny. Like if I met Marty Jannetty, I'd be like, yo, what's going on? What's good, Marty? I'd get a picture of this guy. I like Marty Jannetty. I think he's funny. Um, this episode is, it talks about the history of the Rockers and just the, like the real life tag team. Just like they traveled together for a long time, got to know each other, were damn near best friends for, you know, a good period of time. And then just the, you know, the drifting apart. It's very relatable. Like with my friends now, one of my friend, my best friend, he's in the military and we and him have talked about drifting apart. And, you know, it's just bound to happen. He's going to live his life. I'm living my life. And it's just, we're not, it's not the same. We're not in high school anymore. We're not in, you know, we don't live too far from each other anymore. Guys in Texas, I'm here in California. So it's just kind of, you know, it rings true when people drift apart. And then this obviously is much more extreme than anything that we deal with. But um, it talks about just like, you know, there's a, like, there's this thing in wrestling. There's a, ta- if there's a tag team and you see two guys that have potential somebody they call somebody oh you're gonna who who's gonna be the genetti of the tag team because marty genetti's you know wrestling career didn't pan out like how Shawn michaels did Shawn michaels's career he went out to be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time in my opinion in a lot of people's eyes and then marty genetti is the guy that nobody really knows about if like unless you're like a hardcore wrestling fan where you know a lot about wrestling most people don't really know who marty genetti is because of the the career that he had now marty genetti has the tendency to Tell stories that I guess could be, could not be true. But Marty Jannetty, basically, there's a bit of a thing, I guess, where I guess when he was younger, he were at this bowling alley, this guy tried to, like, I guess, sexually assault him in, like, a car because he was trying to buy weed off of him. And I'm not laughing. It's not really funny, but it's just it's just kind of the absurdity of the story. This guy is trying to sexually assault him. And then I guess Marty Jannetty accidentally killed the guy and buried the body and are they burned the body or did some shit and then he years later brought this up was like yeah you fucking killed a guy he was trying to fucking rape me or something and then you're just like people like whoa what you killed somebody what the fuck and there was an investigation done nothing was found and he's like it was just a wrestling storyline it wasn't real i don't know if it was real i don't fucking know ain't no evidence of this fucking guy that worked this bowling alley i don't fucking know if it was real or not um but it's just the absurdity of a lot of stuff in Marty Jannetty's life. And then an injury, I believe it was an ankle injury. 
And God, you see the conditions he's living in now. Just this ankle is all swelled up and he can't barely walk. He sits in a wheelchair and it's just, it's damn, but the guy still got his personality. People still love Marty. His close friends and close people that know him still love him. Him and Shawn Michaels apparently made up, which is great. Um, they t- showed the infamous barbershop incident where he fucking kicked him and kicked the fuck out of him, threw him through the glass. And this is what ended up causing the, who was going to be the genetic of the tag team. Like a couple tag teams, like where people were like, you had Miz and Morrison. Now this is not like, oh my God, these guys were a legendary tag team. No, it was a tag team that was in wrestling of two young up and comers. You had one guy in the Miz came off a reality television show on MTV called The Real World, or The Real World, something like that, and um, people didn't respect him, this guy ain't a wrestler, he ain't this or that, he's just some fucking guy from reality television, look at the career The Miz has made for himself, and then you look at someone like John Morrison, who I personally really like, I met John Morrison, I think he's a fucking cool ass guy, he's tall as fucking shit, and I'm glad he won his boxing debut, I told him, you're gonna win, motherfucker, I know you're gonna motherfucking win, I got, I got my, I got my doll on you. We were talking, me and him, me and John Morrison were talking about, um, Tommy Fury versus Jake Paul. And I'm like, bro, Tommy Fury. Like I got Tommy. He's like, who do you, he asked me, who do you got? Jake Paul, Tom, Tommy Fury. I said, like, Tommy Fury, bro. Come on. Come on. Hey, you, think I, you think I got motherfucking Jake Paul? Fuck Jake Paul. Tommy Fury. And we both called it, bro. If I see him again, I'll be like, yo, motherfucker, we called that shit. We called that shit. But, um, John Morrison's career didn't pan out the way the Miz's did. And I, I just wanted bad booking. And I guess they just didn't know how to utilize a guy like John Morrison. John Morrison literally looks like a fucking movie star, dude. I don't understand why this guy's career just didn't pan out the way it, in my opinion, should have. He has in nowhere, in no sense of the imagination, had a bad career. I just want to state that. I love John Morrison. He's great. But he could have been bigger. Maybe it was the I don't know. Maybe it was the the charisma department. I don't I don't know what I don't know what it was. I just they they made him they've given him some goofy shit to work with. Like I thought this guy could have been great. I thought John Morrison could have been great when they brought him back, but they gave him this goofy fucking gimmick. And when he came back to WWE, and they ended up releasing him a fucking like what year two years later. So stupid. The guy was fucking talented, but they ended up calling him the Genetti of that tag team because his career didn't go as successful as the fucking Mrs. did, and. There's a lot of guys, like, there's a lot of guys that, um, I guess you could say, like, right now, you got a tag team like the Street Profits, where people are like, yeah, no, um, Montez Ford is the, Shawn Michaels of that team, Angelo Dawkins is the Genetti, and I, I ain't, I'm just gonna say it, he is, he's the Genetti of that team, I don't really see the charisma in Angelo Dawkins that I see in Montez Ford, that's unfortunate, uh, I, I think Montez Ford is in better shape. Angelo Dawkins has gotten in better shape, but I think Montez Ford is Montez Ford is in better shape, has more charisma, and he has more to offer as a singles wrestler than Angelo Dawkins does. One of the most impressive things that I've seen Angelo Dawkins do was it was me and my me and my girlfriend were watching. Where was it? Were we? Yeah, yeah, no. Me and my girlfriend were watching WrestleMania, and Mont or Angelo Dawkins or me, my ex girlfriend. I guess yeah, my ex girlfriend while watching um, WrestleMania night one. And Angelo Dawkins, during the fucking four-way tag team match, which I did not expect to be as enjoyable as I did, fucking Angelo Dawkins hit Braun Strowman with this motherfucking shoulder football shoulder tackle, knocked the fucking shit out of him, and I got fucking hyped. I was like, fuck yeah, bro, that shit was fucking sick. You see you see fucking Angelo Dawkins just go like, they like, yeah, fuck yeah. He didn't say fuck yeah, but like, like he got fucking hyped right there, bro. I remember seeing that shit live and just be like, holy fuck, he knocked the motherfucking wind out of him. And I had a couple of shots, I ain't gonna motherfucking lie, but that shit was exciting to fucking see. Um, that was, oh, that was fucking cool. Um, that's one of the, probably my highlight for uh, Angelo Dawkins' career in my eyes. But um, he is unfortunately, in a lot of people's eyes, going to be the Genetti of the tag team. Um, it's just, it sucks. It just really sucks. Same thing with Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner. Look what Scott Steiner did to compared to what Rick Steiner did. It's just sad when tag teams break up. There's bound to be a bigger star. Same thing with the Usos. Jimmy Uso ain't never going to be a big star as Jey Uso could possibly be. Everyone loves Jey Uso more than Jimmy Uso. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Jimmy Uso. I, I, I see more star power in Jey than I do Jimmy, unfortunately. But I think that they're okay with that. I think Jimmy's okay with that. I think that 
Jay is due to get his time as world champion. But um, so to, just to give you guys that comparison of what the Genetti being the Genetti of the tag team means. And there are some tag teams that don't break up because of this. They don't want to break up because they don't want to find out. Um, same thing with like a tag team in AEW, for instance, um, or uh, Santana and Ortiz. Ortiz ain't never going to be no motherfucking big time star. Santana has the potential to, and he clearly wants that for himself selfishly, which is, hey, that's if that's what he wants, then pursue it. If Ortiz don't want to go anything else above, then that's, that's, that's on Ortiz. Both talented guys. Ortiz got himself in phenomenal fucking shape in the last couple years, so good for him. Same thing with Santana. He just came back from injury. I don't think WWE or I don't think AEW is gonna do shit with him, unfortunately. Um, but I hope he goes to NXT, and I think he'll do great over there. So, um, yeah. But anyway, so this episode about Marty Jannetty, uh, it, it's not a. I wouldn't say it's sad because Marty Jannetty basically said, "Yeah, I'm the reason for all my fuck ups." Like he owns his shit. He owns the fuck ups. Um, the erratic Donald Trump like fucking Facebook post that he made, and like in the sense of just like, what the fuck is this guy saying? Like, what are you doing? Put down the motherfucking phone. Like, I don't know. A lot of the shit is just really erratic, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, up oh, there goes Marty. He's on one again. Like <laughs> this motherfucker, dude. But, um, it's a really, it's a really, I guess, I, I enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed the episode, but, you know, Marty owning up to his shit, be like, yeah, I was just fuck up, I fucked a lot of shit up in my career, but me and Shawn Michaels are good now, I'm good off it. He said some shit about when he got back to WWE, or WWE in 2005 for the Rockers reunion, they wanted to offer him, like, a six-figure something or a big-time contract, I don't know how fucking true that shit was, why the fuck would they offer him that kind of contract? The guy was nowhere near in his prime at that time. I don't know. It was just weird. But um, who knows? It's the thing with Marty Jannetty. I guess you could say who knows if the guy's telling the truth and a lot of shit he says. Guy's charming. Got to give him that. But, yeah. So, that's all I really got to say. I don't. There's not really much else to say about... Um, not really much to say about... Else about to say about uh, this Dark Side of the Ring Season 4. What is my favorite episode? We're going to go ahead and look at that right now. Let's see. My favorite episode of season four. <sighs> Fuck, I don't know. Um, it's got to be either the Magnum TA story or Bash at the Beach 2000 different reasons magnum ta because he's a fucking badass and bash the beach 2000 just because i i laughed my ass off during that fucking episode mm. the wrestling fan in me has got to say probably the magnum ta story because it has somewhat of a happy ending in the fact that magnum ta the way he looks at his life now um he has a better look out a better outlook on life i guess you could say and the fucking i guess just the person in me just laughing my ass off with just Vince Russo in uh, <laughs> the Beach 2000. So I'll probably say the wrestling fan of me, Magnum TA, the episode two shattered the shattered the Magnum TA story. And then I'll probably go um, Bash the Beach 2000. It's like a close second. Well, I, if I'm doing two, I might as well go three. What would be the third one? Um, mm. <laughs> I'll probably go fuck it i'll probably go the marty Jannetty one because it's just it's just really absurd so there you go my top three magnum ta bash the beach 2000 and the world according to marty Jannetty. so anyway guys that's all i really gotta say we're about a clock in almost at an hour here i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i didn't want to spoil too much of each of these episodes if you're a wrestling fan go watch them even if i went into detail on more episodes than i did others go watch a lot of this shit dude go watch it go enjoy it go enjoy wrestling go watch you know, stories, go listen to these stories, some of them can be, get really dark with the tragedies, but you gotta watch them, man, Dark Side of the Ring season four, I can't wait for season five, I hope it comes out fucking early next year, I'm praying for it, so I, I, I wonder what they're gonna cover, I don't know, I don't know what else they can cover, well, there's a lot, there's a lot they actually cover, um, who, fuck, let me, let's, let's think about that real quick, who else can they cover for Dark Side of the Ring season five, let's speculate, Mm, they did Von Erichs. I think that they're going to have to do the CM Punk 
that CM Punk AW brawl out. That's going to be something in the future. It's got to be um, maybe more Vince McMahon stuff, but he's never going to fucking show up on that shit. Um, a lot of stuff, man. Bray Wyatt, maybe, in in the sense of, in the sense of, um, it's the tragedy that struck him. It, I'm not saying, oh my god, he's a dark guy, but but no, I'm just, it just, you know, I'm brainstorming right now. Um, I know I've thought about this already. There's other shit that they could cover. Maybe um, the fall of TNA. I don't know, man. There's like a lot of stuff that they can fucking cover on here. Uh, Lex Luger would be another one. Um, there's a lot of fucking stories they can cover on here. Lex Luger, I'd enjoy that one. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that they can cover on here. A lot of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they we'll see what they do next. But anyway, guys, that's it. That was my review of Dark Side of the Ring season four. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed what I had to say. I'm gonna be meeting Kurt Angle in a couple weeks. That's gonna be fucking awesome. I'm gonna meet an Olympic gold medalist, a fucking Olympic American hero, won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. I'm about to meet the man, Perk Angle him fucking self, um, in a couple weeks um, at, at a Comic Con event. So. I will talk about that probably sometime on here. I hope you guys enjoyed everything I had to say. This has been the No Limit Lab. I'm your host, Eloy, and you guys have a great night. Thank you.